If you're a first-time home buyer, I guarantee you're gonna make at least two of these mistakes. I bet it shifted my on it. So I'm gonna give you a quick preview of the first error. Number one, I've seen cost folks hundreds to thousands of dollars in my seven years in the mortgage industry. It's thinking you know how to read quotes from lenders. You're probably thinking, I do know how to read quotes. It's pretty easy. I'm a CPA, I'm an accountant, I'm good with numbers, blah, blah, blah. You do not know how to actually read quotes from lenders. If you're thinking, hey, I've seen cost worksheets and compared them with lenders, I know who has the best quote, you've already messed up. You can't actually compare quotes via a closing cost worksheet. The only real way to compare quotes is via a loan estimate. And lenders know that and they know you don't know that, which is why a lot of lenders will give you fugazi quotes on the closing cost worksheet to win your business initially because a lender can literally give you any quote you want to hear and it'll be accurate, but let's get into it. Welcome back to House Rich, the first time home buyer show where we help millennials figure out how in the world can I buy my first home? Today we're talking six huge and common first time home buyer mistakes. But first let's talk about some honorable mentions that didn't quite make the cut. First is thinking you can rehab a property when you have no experience doing so. Oh, it just needs a little bit of TLC. Number two honorable mention is thinking you can time the housing market, interest rates or whatever. All the housing market data you see is at least two months behind, FYI. And last but not least is listening to Guru DeJour that tells you you can buy a home with no credit, no cash, no job, or whatever folks try to pitch online with this big secret that the rich don't want you to know. The rich don't care and the person pitching this secret may have only got rich because they sold you some BS course. Now let's get into the topics. Here's why you don't know how to compare quotes because you don't even know what correct questions to ask. So folks typically call up a lender, ring, ring, ring. Hey, what are your interest rates? I'm thinking as a lender, this is a dumb question because I'm just gonna give you a generic quote based off a 740 credit score, a $250,000 sales price, and a 20% down payment. And unless that's your scenario, this quote really doesn't matter. Or I may just tell you to actually apply on my website because I know this question is a waste of time. But let's say I just go through this exercise with you and give you a quote. So I'll look at my rate sheet and say, okay, our rates are 4.375 with no buy down, good sir. And you'll just say, okay, and then hang up the phone. Or I could just tell you, hey, our rates are 3.900 and not disclose the buy down and you'd be none the wise. And you're thinking, okay, this lender gave me a 3.999. I called somebody else that gave me a 4.125. Someone got a 4.250. I'm going to go with the guy that gave me a 3.999. That's the lower rate. It must be good, right? Wrong, because you don't even know to ask about the buy down in the first place. So now you're running around, you're getting these quotes from lenders and paying attention to just the interest rate. But yo, I know you're thinking, I'm wise enough to know to ask about the buy down, right? Okay, well, the only way to truly compare quotes is after you're under contract because the quote somebody gave you January 17th may be a lot different than the quote you get on March 21st when you go under contract because interest rates move. And even the lender had the lowest quote in January, they have higher pricing in March for different reasons internally in their system. And back in January, if you took time to actually compare quotes between lenders in writing and looked at a closing cost worksheet and you're like, okay, I see this lender gave me this, this lender gave me that, you would know that the closing cost worksheets look very, very different, right? Every lender has a different closing cost worksheet. Some lenders with completely different stuff than others. This is why the only way to truly compare quotes is 
once you're under contract and lenders at that point provide you a loan estimate. This is a standard format that every single lender uses. And it's because once you're under contract, they're required to give you that loan estimate. And it's standard so you can help compare quotes between lenders. But still where people mess up is they'll look at either the interest rate or the cash to close and say, hey, this lender's cash to close is a lot less than the other lender's cash to close. Their quote must be better. Incorrect again. The only way to truly compare quotes once you have the loan estimate is for lenders to first off have the exact same interest rate because you can't compare buy downs between different lender. So let's go back to the first example where I quoted you a 3.900 and the buy down was $1,608. And so let's say another lender quoted you a 4.125, but their buy down was $1,333. Which quote is better? You don't know unless you actually get the exact same quote from each lender. So you compare their buy downs at that particular rate because the buy down for me may be a uh, $1,052 at a 4.125 or maybe $1,700 at a 4.125. You don't know what the actual equivalent rate and buy down is unless you get the same quote from lenders. So now let's say you've taken the time to at least get the exact same interest rate from the lenders. On the loan estimate, now the only two columns you need to pay attention to are column A and column B. That is it. You don't need to pay attention to title fees. They'll be the same no matter who the lender is. Taxes, insurance, they'll be the same who, no matter who the lender is. Just pay attention to those fees in columns A and columns B that you can shop for. Now, be honest. Did you actually know how to compare quotes between lenders? If you like, leave a comment, email me, and I'll send you my actual cost comparison worksheet that I use with my clients. Number two is focusing on a home price and not the mortgage payment. What happens is when you focus on a home price, you're like, hey, I want a $400,000 home. So you run to Zillow and you start looking up $400,000 homes. You're like, oh, that's cool. This neighborhood is nice. This school system is nice. This house is nice. I like these. I like this neighborhood. Oh man, you see this neighborhood? It's right next to this new uh, mall they're building. If folks still go to malls, I don't think so. Maybe it's right near this, this movie theater and I love to go to the movies. So you end up falling in love with $400,000 homes and all the things surrounding $400,000 homes. And what happens is you'll work your way backwards into figuring out what that mortgage payment is. Typically when I talk to folks and they come in and they're like, hey, you know, I want to qualify for $400,000. And I'm like, all right, cool. Do you have any idea what that is as far as the monthly payment? And it's typically just, you know, a Kanye shrug. I don't know if we're allowed to still do the Kanye thing, but it's, it's just crickets from folks at that point when I ask them what they think that equates to as far as a monthly payment. Here's how you should actually do it. Let's say you're renting. Take your rent payment. Let's say you're paying $2,000 a month in rent. You need to think to yourself, is that $2,000 a month a comfortable payment for me? If the answer is yes, great. If the answer is no, that's a little bit too rich for my blood, but I moved into this apartment because I wanted to look cool for my friends. Okay, what's comfortable for you? Is it $1,600? Let's focus on that. Or you're like, no, I'm actually living well up below my means. I can afford easily a $3,000 payment and it won't impact my lifestyle. You need to figure out what that number is for you and work backwards into figuring out what the home price is. But let's use the $2,000, for example. In actuality, what you should do is focus on a home that's going to be like $1,700, $1,800 because you also want to make sure that you're considering like maintenance and upkeep to the home as well so that you can keep that $2,000 living expense. But here you go. So let's take $1,800. 
what you want to do is go to Google and literally type in mortgage calculator. It should be like one of the first options. It'll be a calculator on Google. You won't even have to leave the website. So what you want to do is start putting in numbers and just say, hey, put in 200,000, 300,000, 150,000 and try to find it until you get to a number that is under that $1,800 a month. It may be about 60% of that number. So let's say you put in $200,000 and it gives you a $1,200 a month payment, which is the actual number at a 6% interest rate. So yeah, at $100,000, your mortgage payment is $600. At $200,000, it is $1,200. Just kind of FYI there. Now what you want to do is go to Zillow and start looking up $200,000 homes and think, hey, do I like the look of $200,000 homes? Do I like the neighborhood that $200,000 homes are in? Do I like the stuff that's around it? So you may need to adjust your budget up or maybe down if you're just like, hey, these are, these are cool. I could even go down a little bit. So once you click on a couple of houses you like, you want to go to the housing data part. And now you want to find out what the property taxes are for that area. And you want to look up like three or four homes so you can kind of average out the taxes because you don't want to find a home and just stumble across a random single home that has some exemption because there was a disabled veteran or there was a older person that had an over 65 exemption and the taxes are super low. You want to kind of average out the taxes for three or four homes. So let's say we found out these numbers are completely made up. Let's say we found out that the taxes on average on a $200,000 home are $2,400. Now we know $2,400 divided by 12, my monthly tax bill is going to be $200. So we're putting together our principal interest taxes and insurance payments. So we have $1,200 plus $200. We're at $1,400 right now. And let's say our insurance is going to be about $150. Insurance is hard to guess, but it's about $150 if you're in Texas and it's a $200,000 home. So now we have $1,550 is our principal interest taxes and insurance payment. So as I talked about, we wanted to get a payment that is about $1,800. So now we've kind of done the math and say, okay, I have a little bit more leeway to go a little bit higher in this scenario. So now you may look at $200. $20,000 homes and to do the same math with the principal and interest payment until you can get a number that's about $1,800. This is how you kind of keep on budget in your home buying journey. And so you may find out that, hey, if I want a $2,000 a month payment, I can only go up to a $290,000 house. That's not where I want to be. So now, okay, you need to pause your home buying search or lower your expectations. Here's the thing. You're only going to be in that first home for like five to eight years anyway. So you just need to lower your expectations in the home buying search. But that's mistake number two, which is initially focusing on the home price and not the actual monthly payment. Because once again, I've seen it happen so many times. Folks will have like a debt to income ratio that's like 49%, 48% or something that's way, way, way too much for their budget because they fall in love with the home and they just say, hey, we're going to figure it out. Be damned. I guess I'll get a promotion or something next year or pick up a side hustle or something like that. That they never actually do. And then that's why folks complain about home ownership being so expensive. There's so many expenses and so much maintenance. There is maintenance with purchasing a home, but the root cause of your issue is purchasing a home you could qualify for, but not afford. Next, not interviewing your lender or realtor. I was a loan officer for five years. Not saying that five years, maybe three or four people actually interviewed me. Other than that, folks are just like, hey, I like the company you work for or you're recommended by a friend. You're good to go. First and foremost, I'm sure your friends have friends that you don't vibe with, right? That's no knock on your friend, right? Or that other person. Some people just don't click. It's the same thing with lenders and realtors, but more specifically with like lenders and realtors, because we're looking at finances too. So 
you and your friend could be completely different financial situations, could have completely different opinions on the home buying process. So you need to make sure you're working with a lender or realtor that's specific to your needs, which is why you need to ask them questions. For instance, we're talking about a lender. Some good questions to ask your lender are, first off, like what are your hours? Because sometimes lenders that are very, very good at their job and have put in a lot of time, they may be like, hey, I'm not working the weekends. Um, so if you need help during the weekend, I'm not the lender for you. And maybe that worked for your friend, but that doesn't work for you because you're going to be searched for homes exclusively on the weekend due to your job, which is the case for most people, right? Or let's say that you want to ask the lender what loan programs they specialize in. Let's say your friend got a conventional loan, which is the most popular loan, and they had a great experience with that lender. But you're a veteran and you're getting a VA loan. If your lender has no experience with the VA loan, you may have issues with that lender qualifying and going through the VA loan process, right? So you want to ask that lender, what loan programs do you specifically specialize in? Another good question to ask your lender is, especially if you're looking for down payment assistance, is what down payment assistance programs are available to me? Not the programs the lender has, but what down payment assistance programs are available? Because there may be down payment assistance programs that work better for you that that lender doesn't have. Another very important question is, what are your turn times? You may vibe with the lender. They may have great programs, but let's say the average time to close a home in your market is about 28 days. And for whatever reason, that lender can only close loans in 35 to 40 days. That won't work for you in that market. So you need to ask turn times. Let's move on to the realtor. A very important question to ask your realtor is, are you full-time or part-time? Because I'd say about, not me, this numbers will say about 80% of realtors actually are part-time in the hey, nine to five, they're working at Target, nine to five, they're working at whatever their job is. So let's say you have, you work odd hours and you are available during the day pretty much exclusively. You want to make sure you're working with a full-time realtor that can show you homes during the day and they're not at their job. Another important question is, are you part of a team? So let's say that person works part-time. Okay, well, if they have a teammate or a team member that can show you homes when you're available, that may work for you as well. Another good question to ask is, hey, how long have you been in the business? No right or wrong answer, but it gives you an idea of their level of experience. But also follow that up with how many homes you typically close on a year. Because that lender could be a part-time realtor. They've been part-time for, I don't know, 15 years, but they only do stuff for like friends and family. And they may close like three or four homes a year just for friends and family. They're probably not as tapped in into the market as somebody that may have been in the business for like two or three years, but closes maybe 15 to 20 homes a year. And by the way, 15 to 20 is a lot of homes to close a year. Just kind of FYI. Another great question to ask your realtor is, what areas do you specialize in? So typically a realtor would say, hey, they can drive there, they can cover that market, which is great. But there's a difference between being like a specialist in the, hey, I cover the whole Dallas market. Then, hey, I specifically am a specialist in the state Thomas neighborhood. I do cover all of Dallas, but I know that neighborhood like the back of my hand. My name is good in there. I know when they're off market listings in that area of Dallas. And last but not least, is hey, what price ranges do you typically work in? There's obviously no issue with folks moving up or down, but let's say you're talking to a realtor that typically works in the million dollar price range. If your budget is $300,000 and they're working with you because their friend recommended them to you, you may not get the same attention as like their million dollar clients. And the other side of the coin is, let's say your realtor typically works in the two hundred fifty dollars to $400,000 price range. If you're looking at million dollar homes, they may not have the expertise that you need in order to maneuver in that market. 
Next is this dumb thing you typically hear from realtors, which is save between three to 6% of the sales price for your closing costs. It's dumb advice. When you're buying a home, your cash to close consists of the down payment and the closing costs. Most folks at least know the basics to say, hey, with an FHA loan, your down payment is going to be three and a half percent of the purchase price. But they typically don't know how the closing costs work. So they give you this huge gap in numbers. But it's horrible advice because let's take a $300,000 home. 3% of that is 9,000. 6% is 18,000. So where's that number at? Well, here's how to find out exactly what that number is. Just ask your mortgage lender. Like if you ask me, I could tell you in the Dallas area, your closing costs are going to be about three and a half percent of the sales price. It's pretty easy. Your lender will know the answer. So ask them, don't use that huge gap. Horrible advice. Next is folks not understanding how long it actually takes to get under contract and purchase a home. So I've seen a lot of times where folks are like, hey, my lease is up in one to two months. I want to get pre-qualified. You probably should be doing this like five to six months before your lease is up because you don't want to put yourself into an artificial time crunch. One, because what if you don't even qualify in the first place? Let's say you have credit challenges and you maybe need to work on your credit. They may take you another one to two months. That may add to the timeline. Let's say you do the budgeting exercise I gave you and figure out that, hey, maybe I do need to, you know, save a little bit more for a down payment so that I can purchase a little bit more home. And then also, Who's to say that you find home in like one to two months? You need to give yourself a lot more time than you think in order to buy a home because you don't want to get in a situation where it's like, hey, I don't know, do I, do I purchase this home? You know, my lease is up in, in a week now and it's like, oh, I need to either sign the lease and lose the apartment or I need to find this home and then you end up buying a home that you really didn't like because you had this artificial time crunch due to your lease expiration. And to figure out like what the time frame may work in your price range or the t property type that you think you want to get, Talk to a realtor be like, hey, how long does it typically take somebody to buy a home that's maybe a duplex in the $500,000 price range in my city? And they should be able to give you some sort of answer and maybe get more than one uh, answer from different realtors because you're right, you're doing the interview process anyways. And last but not least is make sure you know your goals before you talk to a lender or realtor. Like, There's no way a realtor can tell you like, hey, should you get a single family home? Should you get a town home? Should you get a condo? Should you get a duplex? Like your realtor doesn't know that. You need to know what works best for you. Your realtor's opinion is only through their eyes. That's the same thing with lenders. So you need to have to think, okay, my goals are to house hat, which means I'm going to get a duplex or triplex or fourplex. That means I want to get an FHA loan. And so now when you're talking to lenders, you need to work with lenders that understand like the FHA self-sufficiency tests that are proficient with the FHA loan. If your lender doesn't do FHA loans or doesn't really know how to do that, they're not going to be the lender for you. But here's the thing. If you talk to the lender first and you don't know the questions to even ask the lender, you may end up with a lender that doesn't know what they're doing or the lender may talk you into another scenario because they don't want to lose that commission check. So there you go. Those are my top six things plus some honorable mentions. Hope they help. If I can help you in your home ownership journey, let me know my contact information is down below. I'm here in the Dallas market, but I can help connect you with reputable people in all 50 states. So uh, just reach out to me and I'll connect you or maybe help you here in the Dallas market. As always, buy land, rumor has it, they're not making any more of it.